Praise God. What a great proclamation of what the faith that God has given us in His Son, Jesus, and what He's done, uh, declaring that we are a child of God, living in freedom and joy, and we'll address that a little bit in the message in just a moment. But God has been so good and faithful and just provided so much for us, and I just want to praise God publicly again for His faithfulness to me, uh, to you, and to our fellow brothers and sisters Um, even during this time. And I want to thank you for just your faithful giving and support. And if you uh, want to continue doing that, and donations, again, can be made online on our website. There's an easy link there. Uh, But also you can just send uh, your donation to one of our two addresses found on our website. And so I just want to thank you for that and praise God. He's so good to us. And um, he's good to you as well. And I I praise God for just... uh, his faithfulness, and I believe that he's honoring, and, and we're going to continue to, to ask him uh, for all of our leaders uh, and officials, uh, whether it's in the political realm or it's in the medical realm, especially, we're going to pray for all of them for God's protection and God's wisdom. And as always, uh, you may have heard on Wednesdays, I always pray, and I have one simple prayer, and I ask you to join me that you would pray that our officials, medical and political, would be rational and righteous. If they're not righteous, that they would turn to God and ask him for his help and surrender their lives for his wisdom, that they might be reasonable and do what's best for all of us. And we just thank God that that, uh, he hears us. Amen. So uh, praise the Lord. Um, It's good to uh, just be with you this morning. And um, just wanted you to know as we start our message that uh, we will be partaking in communion uh, at the end of the service. So um, if you haven't made yourselves ready and gotten the notice that we sent out already, that you would prepare yourselves uh, for that as we get to the, to the end of the service. Um, our text is actually a communion passage that we read very often and that very commonly in evangelical churches and Christ church throughout the world. We, we hear and read Paul's words in 1 Corinthians chapter 11, verses 23 to 28. And if you would just follow along with me, that's our text, and we'll read that. We'll break that down a little bit. And, um, and then we'll partake in communion at the end of the service. 1 Corinthians chapter 11, verses 23 to 28. The Apostle Paul said, For I received from the Lord that which I also delivered to you, that the Lord Jesus, in the night in which he was betrayed, he took bread. And when he had given thanks, he broke it and said, This is my body, which is for you. Do this in remembrance of me. In the same way, he took the cup also after supper, saying, This cup is the new covenant in my blood. Do this as often as you drink it in remembrance of me. For as often as you eat this bread and drink the cup, you proclaim the Lord's death until he comes. Therefore, Paul said in verse 27, whoever eats the bread or drinks the cup of the Lord in an unworthy manner shall be guilty of the body and blood of the Lord. But a man must examine himself, and in so doing, he is to eat of the bread and drink of the cup. And that's our text this morning. 
When we come to the Lord's table and when we periodically here at New Hope Chapel participate in communion, and it's been quite a while now since we've been kind of locked down and haven't been able to be together, but we're going to do this because this is a powerful, powerful uh, meal or event uh, that we can share together and partake in together when we eat of the bread and drink of the cup. It unifies us. It binds us. It tells a story. And so we're going to do this as we've delayed long enough. It's just so important. We're going to do this in a few moments. When we come to the Lord's table or we call it the Lord's Supper or communion, I just want to point out that there are at least three places that we need to look um, as we approach the table and prepare ourselves to partake. First of all, we need to look to the past. Now, When we look to the past, we need to remember what the Lord has done for us, what God has done. In verse 25, Paul quotes Jesus and he said, Do this as often as you do in remembrance of me. It doesn't say in remembrance of a church, whether it's whatever you put the name of your church there. It's not the Holy Catholic Church as so-called. It's not another church. It's not in remembrance of any organization or institution. Jesus said when we partake, we do it in remembrance of him. Jesus. Remember Jesus. Not any other person. There are many that are associated with Jesus and certainly they will come to our mind. But we do this to remember Jesus, who he is and what he did. Remember. 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 Let me ask you a question. How's your memory? If you ask my two boys, they might tell you that lately my memory isn't so good, or, or my hearing, I suppose, too. But if I can't hear, I can't remember. So there's my excuse. But remembering, how is your memory? How do you remember things? You know, we overestimate, most of us, we overestimate our ability to do so, to remember, don't we? We are so prone to forgetting that we are reminded to remember Throughout scripture, reciting past events, the, the Israelites, the Jewish people were very good at this, to recite those past events as a nation and as an f- individual family and even as individuals because that keeps the past alive. Honestly, it really does. And this is what Jesus intended in the last meal that he had with his disciples, this last Passover meal. To remember, keep doing this, to remember what happened, to remember the great events of deliverance of the past. We remember first the history of God's people in the Old Testament. We can't forget that. It's so linked and connected to communion, the Lord's Supper, that it would be almost sinful, not really, but almost, to forget what the roots are of why we do this And partake in the Lord's Supper. And it's linked to this time called the Passover. Much of the symbols that we have with our communion come from that celebration of what God has done. The Passover meal that Jesus was having with his disciples was rooted in the great deliverance that the Jewish people experienced from bondage to Egypt. You know, most are familiar with this history. 
in which God's people are in Egypt for over 400 years. And God chooses Moses, the deliverer, to come and set them free. In the Passover meal, the bread had a particular significance. When the Hebrew women made their household bread, they took a piece of fermented dough that they saved from a previous day and mixed it into fresh flour. And with time, the yeast would overtake the dough. It spread, it permeated, and she could make, again, another round of daily bread for her family. When God delivered the children of Israel out of Egyptian bondage, there wasn't time to bake bread or hassle with the yeast. They ate their bread unleavened, They had to hurry up because deliverance was coming for their safety, for their redemption, if you will, and their freedom. They had to hurry up. Eating unleavened bread became a reminder of the time when God delivered the children of Israel out of bondage. In Exodus chapter 13, verses 8 to 9, God gives meaning to the unleavened bread. He said, And you shall tell your son on that day, saying, It is because of what the Lord did for me when I came out of Egypt. I just want to point out, it's so important, how God gives this instruction and he puts the words in the mouth of Moses to pass on to his people and he makes it very individual and personal. I'll read it again. It is because of what the Lord did for me when I came out, when I came out of Egypt. And it shall serve to you, God said, as a sign that the law of the Lord may be in your mouth. For with a powerful hand, the Lord brought you out of Egypt. He's saying in there, it's personal. You know it. Pass it on. Don't forget, keep remembering, this is why we have unleavened bread and we have the Passover meal. At the Lord's Supper or communion, the bread that celebrated the people's deliverance from Egyptian bondage took on a whole new meaning. And now it commemorates Jesus's body. The fact that he came, that it was he gave himself in the flesh to die on the cross for his people, for the salvation of many people, actually. And celebrates the Christian's deliverance from the bondage of sin. Because of Jesus's death on the cross and resurrection from the tomb, eternal life is available to all who will receive Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior. When Jesus handed the cup, not only the bread, but the cup to the disciples at the first communion, they naturally would have thought of the blood of the lamb that was smeared on the doorposts of their ancestors' home in Egypt. This was done in preparation for the 10th plague, And I encourage you, if you haven't read or aren't familiar, to check out this historical account. That last and final plague before deliverance came. 
God instructed the children of Israel to put this blood of the Passover lamb on the two doorposts and on the lentil of the house. God made a covenant with his people. When the death angel, this 10th plague would come, when the death angel would pass by and saw the blood on the doorposts, it would pass over the house and the firstborn son would be spared. But if a house did not have the blood on the doorposts and lentil, the death angel would visit that home and the firstborn son would be taken. The Lord said in Exodus chapter 12 and verse 13, And the blood shall be a sign for you on the houses where you live. And when I see the blood, I will pass over you. And no plague will befall you to destroy you when, when I strike the land of Egypt. As the disciples drank the fruit of the vine, the vine they remembered the blood covenant But Jesus reinterpreted the wine to symbolize a new covenant. He was making it all new and making new application for this new covenant that would come because he died on the cross. So we also remember not just the history, but we remember Jesus' death on the cross. We remember that just as God's people in the Old Testament were delivered so were and are all believers in Jesus and what he did on the cross. Do you remember that scene? In my mind, I can picture it. God's people on the edge of the Red Sea, Pharaoh's army quickly closing in from behind. They're trapped. They have nowhere to go. And they're looking to their deliverer, Moses, to get them through and out of this situation. And it's really, it's a picture of sin and Satan enslaving us and then saying, giving us some freedom and we're begging to be freed and we're struggling and we're finding different ways and means to escape that bondage. And then sin and Satan chases us down again when we try to, as I said, escape in our own strength and means. We needed and we need something supernatural in that moment. Something so amazing that we've never experienced before. Something that we can't and couldn't do to be saved and delivered from that chasing army of Satan and sin and all his emissaries and all his minions. And the sea parts. Do you remember that sea? This, that scene, the sea parts. Moses raises his staff, the rod, and the sea parts. And Jesus dies. If there's a parallel, Jesus dies on the cross. And the Bible teaches us that through his death, his shed blood, now we have a way to freedom. We can escape the curse of law and of sin and all the, the tactics of Satan to enslave us and bring us down. We are freed because of Jesus' death. We go through the Red Sea, if you will, of his shed blood, believing that it cleanses us and it wipes away our past and it destroys everything behind us so we can move forward to a future with him. Amen? We go on dry ground. 
And God's people went on dry ground right through. And all the while, as they go behind them, the Bible records that the sea closes in and falls on them. And Satan and his armies are destroyed. You know, there's a reality there that Satan is already defeated. Sin is already defeated. And every time he tries to bring that up and enslave you and bring you down, all you have to do is remind him of the Red Sea that you went through already. You remind him of the blood of Jesus that set you free. And it's all over again. And it just keep reminding him and you'll walk through and you'll be free. You're no longer a slave to fear. Can I add, you're no longer a slave, if you're a child of God, to sin. You are free. You have gone through that Red Sea. God made the way supernaturally. He provided it through Jesus Christ. And so we remember not only Israel's history, but our history and what Jesus did and how we, as followers of Jesus, believers in Christ, have gone through his sacrifice by faith and received our freedom. It's awesome. You know what else it reminds us of? It reminds us also that that blood of Jesus now symbolizes more than just that salvation from a single night of terror with that tenth plague, but it celebrates and reminds us that we celebrate eternal salvation. And we remember that not only sin, but that we are also freed from the rituals of the Old Testament sacrificial system. Thank God. Paul reminds in 1 Corinthians chapter 5 and verse 7 that Jesus is our Passover lamb. And and then he tells the Colossians, Christians, in chapter 2, he tells them that Satan and his powers and that the law and the curse of the law and all the feasts and all the things that came along and the rituals that were associated with getting right with God are all defeated and shamed and destroyed and put away because of what Jesus did through his death on the cross. It is amazing. I can't even, I don't have enough words to, to explain, we need, you could talk about it for weeks, about all the things that we have been freed from that used to enslave us as Christians. Jesus sets us free. We remember the past. There is a history that goes back to the Passover and the Jewish people. There is a history in your life, if you're a Christian, that you have been set free because of your faith in what Jesus did on the cross and his shed blood. And now you're free. You remember that. But secondly, we take another look, just not on the past to remember, but we look at the present here and now so that we can acknowledge something. Here and now, you look in the present. First, we acknowledge again, because of the past, that Jesus died for us and he doesn't have to die again. He did it once. He rose again. We proclaim The Lord's death, Paul said in 1 Corinthians 11. As often as we partake, we proclaim. Proclaim is present tense. It is now. We are proclaiming the Lord's death. He died and his death is final. We proclaim that now, today, as often as we have communion. Our salvation My salvation, it was secured when Jesus died, but it's also my salvation is secure today because Jesus' sacrificial death was a satisfactory price to pay for my sin. 
I'm getting emotional and I'm holding it back, but I am so grateful that I don't have to try to work my way back to God over and over again. I simply remember the past and then I acknowledge the presence when I partake and I remember that my sins are forgiven. They will be forgiven. And Jesus did it once and for all so I could be free now, today. I love what Paul says in Romans chapter 5, verses 1 and the first part of 2. He says something that is so, such a blessing for me to hear. And I hope it is when you hear his words. He says, therefore, since we have been justified through faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ, who, through whom we have gained access by faith into this grace in which we now stand. We stood on it. We believed it, but we stand in it now. And we have access to God. We have peace with God. We are his friends. We're not his enemies anymore. And Romans 5 and verse 80 says that even while we were his enemies, Christ died for us. And we recognize that. And we're reconciled back to God because of what Jesus did. We're friends of God. That is amazing. We can go to him freely with anything, with everything we have today, now, in the presence. And we acknowledge that. We are now friends. We proclaim the Lord's death, but we're not home yet. We, you know, he's come to live in our hearts and he lives there, but we're in this process today. We're still looking to the future. We're not home because just like Israel, they were free from Egypt and bondage to Egypt, but they weren't home yet when they crossed that Red Sea. For 40 years, they wandered until they arrived at the promised land. And what a picture for us, an application for us today of our present journey that we're on as well. Remember, if you are a believer, that I, even I myself as a Christian, that you and me, we are the children of God, we are not home yet. Yes, God has made his heart our home. But we aren't fully home yet. We're not there at the promised land or heaven yet. We are en route. We are pilgrims. Actually, we're aliens, as the apostle Peter says. We're not even of this world. We're passing through. We find, we shouldn't find ourselves so attached to things that pass so quickly. And the apostle Peter says that we're just passing through on this planet and life. And it's not always easy. There will be complaints. Some of you don't do that, but there will be complaints as we go and pass through this life. There will be questioning of authority. None of you do that either. Just like they didn't do that in the Old Testament when they wandered and they never, never questioned Moses' authority. There will be sin, failure, and yes, there will be fatigue as we go through and head home. And that's why we take Paul's instruction to heart before we take communion now in the present. He said in verse 28, a man ought to examine himself before he eats and drinks of the cup. Look, 
We have to look is to in the present or look within ourselves here and now. We look at ourselves. What do we see? What do you see in yourself? How are we? How am I doing with my life? How are you living? How are we living? Are we striving for a holiness? In other words, we're not beating ourselves up, but are we, are we making an effort to be holy and righteous like God wants us to be? Do we even care about that? Do we put Jesus first in our lives? Are we totally committed to him? If I'm honest, I can probably answer and I should answer and I must answer no to some of those questions. And so we need to truly examine ourselves to look deep into our hearts. God wants us in the present to acknowledge our sins and humbly ask for forgiveness because communion proclaims that Jesus did die, but because he did die right now in the presence, we can still be free if we get dragged down. The second thing that we remember in the present is that we don't go it alone. We don't go it alone. Remember, when God's people left Egypt, there were a huge crowd that was wandering through the wilderness, heading home to their promised land that God promised. And you don't have to go it alone, and we don't go it alone as Christians. Listen to Paul's words in 1 Corinthians chapter 10, verses 16 to 17. And he's talking about communion. The Passover meal is not the cup of thanksgiving for which we give thanks a participation in the blood of Christ and is not the bread that we break a participation in the body of Christ because there is one loaf we who are many are one body for we all partake of one loaf that being Jesus who by the way said he is the bread that came down from heaven He is the bread of life and we need him to sustain, to nourish our spirits, our souls so that we can make it all the way to the promised land, to heaven, to be with him. Because there is one loaf, we who are many, he says, are one body. There are many pieces, there are many parts, but we make up one. And as Christians, we have brothers and sisters, we have family members all around us, and we give thanks to God for our Christian family. No man is an island. No man should be an island. We need one another. So Sharon, my wife, as we've been in this lockdown We've, she's been uh, working on several puzzles over the past few weeks. And, um, you know, kind of to pass the time and to have things to do. And even yesterday, she started a new one. I, it might sound strange as I say this, but it'll make sense as I come full circle later on in a few moments. But stay with me. It reminded me of Pastor Dan's sermon about three months ago when he was talking from Psalm 133 and unity. Okay, Pastor Dan's sermon, the puzzle, how does all this make sense? You'll make the connection in just a moment. In particular, after, and I was thinking about Pastor Dan's sermon, and I was kind of taken off track a little, and maybe because I was a little familiar with the psalm, I, I started to think and focus, even while he was speaking, about one thing that stuck out to me. 
And it was the oil that was on Aaron's uh, head. And that the unity is like that oil that was on the head and the beard of Aaron. And I was thinking about that oil and I was starting to reflect. And I was remembering, I guess this is what Bible school helped me do. But I was remembering some of the things. In the Old Testament, God gave a formula. Yes, a formula. Instructions for what the anointing oil was supposed to be like. It was supposed to be composed in large part, maybe two-thirds of it or more. The base, the huge part of it was olive oil. But it wasn't just to be olive oil. There had to be other things that were involved there that were blended together in the olive oil. Myrrh, cinnamon, calamus, cassia, That was all to be part of what the anointing oil had within it. And it made it up and it was all blended in and it was mixed. And it had this beautiful fragrance that came out after it was all mixed together. In scripture, olive oil is used as a symbol of God's Holy Spirit. The olive oil, the Holy Spirit, he blends these spices together. He blends you and me if you're a believer together. We need each other to make a beautiful fragrance because you know what? If we're on our own and if you're just cinnamon, for someone that might not work. If you're just kasha, The same could be said. But we're all, some of us are a little more spicy, if you will, than others. But when we're blended together, somehow in this beautiful way, the sweet, the spicy, the, well, you fill in the adjectives of whatever your personality is. When it gets blended together, it runs down. And it was that picture of that oil from the top to the bottom running down. And it was fragrant. It was comforting. It was refreshing. Now, my point is this. A puzzle has many pieces. You belong in the puzzle. You belong in the puzzle It doesn't matter if you feel like the edges of your piece is frayed or it's broken. It still fits in the puzzle to make it complete so that we're one body. And as we're one body, we can support each other. We can encourage each other. We can walk through this life together. So in the end, when all the pieces come together, the picture is clear and we'll be home. You have a piece in the puzzle. God wants to bring you in to that puzzle. God wants to blend you in to that anointing oil where there is unity and we make up the one body of Christ. And I call you to consider that. Furthermore, as we do that, I want to just finally and quickly say as we come to a close, in communion we look to the future. And I won't be long on this. We looked at the past and we remember. We look in the, to the present and we look around us now in the present and we acknowledge that we don't go this alone and that God's forgiveness is still as powerful and effective today and His sacrifice and what He did on the cross is effective today as it was in the past. But we remember and we acknowledge and we look to the future. And we, Paul said that we proclaim the Lord's death until He Comes. In other words, we are to anticipate 
the future. We are to anticipate that Jesus is coming again. Are we looking forward to the time when he will come again and we will have communion with our Lord in his kingdom? Jesus said to his disciples in the Last Supper, and to believers today, he says this as well in Matthew chapter 26 and verse 29. But I say to you, I will not drink of this fruit of the vine from now on until that day when I drink it with you anew in my Father's kingdom. When he drinks it with us, when we're home in heaven. If you believe that Jesus died for your sins and rose again, and have asked the forgiveness for your sins of the Lord Jesus Christ, and you're a Christian, then you joyfully look forward to the marriage supper of the Lamb that Revelation 19 refers to. If you are not a born-again Christian, if you've not asked Jesus to be your Lord and Savior, to forgive you your sins and to lead you through this life under his direction, you might be frustrated with uncertainty. You might even be fearful about eternity or whatever happens after this life on earth. Let me sum it up with a very well-known object lesson. And it simply involves one piece of paper. One piece of paper. Now, if I take this and I fold this in a particular way, and I will do this to the best of my ability, and I fold it over, it's a great picture for us to understand that when I fold it over, most of you, even on the, in the, at home, will recognize what I've done. What does this look like? It looks like a house. Looks like a house with a roof. See, because the reality is that communion can be summed up with this illustration. God wants your heart to be his home. He's made that provision in the past by dying for you, and we remember that. He's, and he's made that, that provision in the present by, by his powerful application of faith in what he did that can forgive you, and he will come into your heart when you ask him. But how does that happen? How does that happen? Because it's not only that God wants to live in the heart, the home of your heart. He also wants to assure that you will be in his home one day in the future. So here's how it is. Lots of folks have done lots of different things to, to, to think up and how this can happen. You know, even God himself, he didn't take it upon himself and send down what I'm going to make here with my, with my uh, folding, my beautiful paper art, an airplane that flies. God didn't send an airplane to come in to take you to be with him in his home one day or to show you how he can live in your heart. He didn't send an airplane. But the reality is you might be sitting home and you're looking at this plane and saying, that's so ridiculous, what are you doing? But you know what? Some of you have tried to create your own planes You've tried all kinds of different ways, thinking that if you do certain things or believe in a certain way, you will get to this home or this place called heaven, an eternity that does not end. Well, let me ask you, how is that working out for you? Because for most of us, the aerodynamics of our lives or the planes we try to build in our lives have failed us and we've either never taken off, we've been grounded or we've simply crashed. 
It's not about the planes. They can't get us there and God didn't send us. Some people think that if they really try and they get creative, that they can even do something better. That they can really, really, really make a strong effort and something super powerful. And they create rockets. Something more powerful with their associations with people. Maybe it's money and influence or whatever it is or people you know or you hang on to somebody's coattails who has, well, they have an in with God. That's powerful. Let me tell you something. That rocket can never really take off. It will never get to a high enough place to get you to that eternal home with God that he wants you to be with. So then if it's not a rocket and if God didn't send a rocket and if he doesn't look at you as as being able to make a rocket to get to himself. How do we get there? How does God make our hearts his home? How does God provide and what does he do? What did he send for us so that we could be home with him forever? He simply did it by sending Jesus. And it's all about the cross. It's the cross And that's what communion is all about. We remember. We remember the past. We consider and and we acknowledge the things that are true in the present. But as we look to the future, if if you aren't on your way because of your faith in what Jesus did on the cross, I encourage you to do that today. Simply call out to him in faith. Ask him to forgive you of your sins because you acknowledge that everything you do falls short and you can't get to that home that Jesus is preparing for you on your own. You fall short. Trust him. Ask him to come into your heart. Do it by acknowledging that Jesus died on the cross, rose again, and you'll be on your way home. Will you do that today? We're going to partake in communion in just a moment. I'm going to ask the praise team to come. They're going to sing one song. And as they sing that song one time through, I want you to prepare yourself to partake. And I'll come back with the cup and with the bread and we'll partake together as God's people celebrating what he's done for us. And they're getting ready. So as they're getting ready with the, the, the cup and they're coming up, um, I just want to encourage you again to, to consider um, what I have shared with you and to take to heart and make your heart Jesus' home. Amen. Amen. This morning, before we partake, I just want to say that you can be just like the Israelites in Egypt, who were in Egypt. You can leave your life of sin and self behind. You can be set free from the judgment and death that sin brings. You can be filled with God's Holy Spirit, made a new creation in Christ by our faith, And be committed to trust and obey Jesus until he brings you home to heaven. It's a great thing that we celebrate when we partake. And as you have, wherever you are right now in your homes or wherever you're seated or standing, whatever you're doing, if you've got the bread or if you've got the cracker, I want to encourage you that you remember what we shared in the first scripture at the first, in the beginning of the service. That Paul passed on what what God gave to him and he passed on the fact that on the night Jesus was betrayed that he took the bread and he broke it and he he gave it to them and he he said they should eat it. And he just did the same thing with the cup because he told them to drink it because it was the cup of the new covenant. That new covenant that Jesus is the mediator. 
He's the one that comes in between us and God and makes a way and gives us access to be friends with God so that our heart is his home and we can one day be home with him in heaven. We're going to celebrate that. And so I'm going to ask you to bow your head as we thank God for the bread and the cup and then we'll partake. Lord, I thank you this day for just this reminder in scripture of why we partake in communion. There is so much more. It is so rich. But we thank you again for this reminder of the past, the present, and our anticipation of the future when we'll eat and drink with you in heaven one day. Thank you for coming for us, for rescuing us, delivering us, making us a new people who serve you and that we are free and and servants of you and not enslaved to sin and Satan. We thank you for that because of your bodily uh, uh, incarnation, Lord, coming to us uh, onto this earth, dying on the cross and shedding your blood for us for the forgiveness of our sins. We thank you for it in Jesus' name. Let's take the bread together and let's eat the bread together as we celebrate what Jesus did for us. Let's take the cup and let's drink this cup of the new covenant where we find forgiveness of our sins because of our faith in Jesus. Amen. Praise God. I encourage you to continue to reflect on what Jesus did on the cross for you and what that means for you today and how you can anticipate an amazing future with him in eternity in heaven and in his home. So God bless you today. Bless you uh, all the mothers. We pray that God bless you, keep you, protect you. He shine his face on you and, and that he would just give you his peace above all else and his joy today. And uh, we just praise God for you. And uh, have a wonderful day. Enjoy the day. Proclaim the goodness of Jesus everywhere you go. God bless you. Amen.